Welcome. Thank you for joining us here on the Construction Leaders Podcast presented by CMA, where each episode will provide interviews with diverse perspectives, as well as trends that are affecting the construction and project management industry and beyond. On behalf of CMA, I'm your host, Nick Soto, alongside my colleague, Carly Trout. For those of you who've been listening, you can tell that CMA likes to invite guests from like-minded organizations that have a vested interest in making sure that the construction industry succeeds. Today, we've invited another friend of CMA, the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors, also known as RICS, to join us. RICS focuses on setting global standards and promotes the highest professional standards in the development and management of land, real estate, construction, and infrastructure. With over 134,000 highly qualified trainees and professionals, RICS is positioned to influence policy and embedded standards within local markets to protect consumers and businesses. Mark Ferguson, an executive vice president at Cummins Corporation, is here with us to discuss the new report that Rick's released on digitization in construction. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Hi, Nick. Please meet you. Can you tell us a bit about Rick's and its members and when you became a member and how do you work with Rick's? As you mentioned, Rick's uh, RICS is a global professional body with over 134,000 qualified and trained professionals uh, with or near to 4,000 individuals uh, within the Americas. In the Americas, we have a presence in Canada, the US, Caribbean, and throughout Latin America. And everything that we do is to promote positive change in the built natural environment and also to lead in preparation of standards and qualification. And we certify members across the world to a standard of professionalism within the built environment. I joined RICS uh, when I was a student back in 1989. That's uh, way back in the dark ages. And I then became qualified, actually, after a number of years in in the early 2000s when I was working in the Middle East on uh, development projects and so on. Then fairly recently, I became a fellow of the uh, Royal Institution of Charter Surveyors. Um, I've also acted in leading the Southern California chapter for RICS, and I am involved in assisting in drafting a new global standard on project management and cost management uh, services that can be implied internationally. So as Nick mentioned, RICS just came out with a report on the digitization in the construction industry. Can you tell us a little bit about that report and why it's so important? Yeah, so the report was based on our RICS Global Construction Monitor Survey, which we produce every quarter. And this analyzes a number of different aspects of what is important to the industry. And what we've seen during the pandemic, as well as an increased adoption of digital technologies, And also we've seen a higher adoption of the use of BIM and also the use of digital twins in helping us kind of test out the project before it gets into construction. So that helps save cost and time and errors on site. And so the report uh, really takes a look at the adoption of digitalization uh, across the industry and internationally as well, uh, looking at uh, major regions such as the Americas, APAC, the UK, Europe and Middle East and Africa. The Use of digitalization really gives us an opportunity to connect globally, and it really also needs a fundamental transformation in the way that we work. And so it moves away from historical paper-based processes and old alignment of the project team to create a team that is now working truly digital in nature and using data to improve speed and certainty of outcome and decision-making, which includes greater cost predictability, schedule predictability, and hopefully the implementation of less 
change in the actual construction process. And as we all know, change is very much the biggest issue that we have that impacts cost and schedules across a project, whether it's a, a small scale project to extremely large, complex projects. So the responses showed that the data and the technology are mostly used in enhancing progress monitoring and health, safety and well-being, cost estimation, prediction, planning and control, incorporating environmental and social and governance ESG principles. Can you share some examples across these functions? I think the advent of BD design and building information modeling led to use of those models to assist in cost management. And it's something that we've been using for, for many years is the use of 3D technologies to help us uh, visualize the, the, the construction project. And then we can use that to assemble and estimate and measure the quantities of the required materials going in there. So there has been a large uptick in use of platforms such as Costex and Destiny Estimator. Um, that we're seeing used uh, around the world to, to really help get a better and more predictable evaluation of the quantities uh, that are applied using current pricing to help us get greater uh, predictability in terms of early estimates during the design development stage. So I think that um, particularly in, in, in the US, we are seeing a, a much increased use of uh, digital technologies instead of the traditional scale rule and paper measurement, which could be prone to error. The other thing is, is that using digital technologies is that we can actually increase our quality assurance and control when we're checking to make sure that the scope has been captured uh, within our, our estimates as well. So from the estimating side of things, I've seen that as being a major element, as well as the design development on complex projects. So for example, semiconductor manufacturers will use enhanced BIM modeling to make sure that they can fit everything within the fabrication plant and that there's no clashes and so on. So that's probably where I've seen the heaviest use of it is in design and cost estimating. We also use it to define better scheduled controls with the use of elements such as Synchro and uh, other visualization tools that can help visualize the construction projects across the timeline. And we've seen that being used in projects and developments and infrastructure roles such as the Los Angeles airport uh, they have a heavy use of BIM, particularly when they have a majority of projects working at the same time and uh, interfacing with each other. So the tools really help us, you know, analyze impacts on the real world before we get out there in the real world. And that helps keep people safe and it helps people to, to really plan movements and logistics on such complex projects. I think those are some important facts. You know, safety is always important to the public and to the owners of the projects and making sure things are successful. But we know that in the construction industry, everyone seems to be a little bit late in adopting technologies and it takes a little while. It's lagging. Uh, also, who's responsible for paying for it and who's going to bring it to the forefront? Is it the owner? Is it the service provider? Uh, is it a little bit of both? Is it the contractor? So why do you think this is the case and how do you think that we can get them to make the adoption at an earlier stage? The adoption at an earlier stage, it really does depend ultimately on the owner and their sophistication in helping to mitigate risk on their projects by using the technologies that are available to their highest level. It's interesting in the report because average, there was 40% of respondents saying that they were not using these technologies and only 11% said that they used them on all the projects. And then when we go through the different uses of the technologies, there was more than half do not use it for, say, for example, ESG principles. There are a number of reasons, uh, as I mentioned, in terms of 
the adoption of these technologies. Uh, when I worked in the Middle East back in the early 2000s, one of the projects I worked on was Dubai Festival City, which was a 1,700-acre site in Dubai, basically building golf courses and hotels and residential elements and uh, a large retail area. And we started to use BIM there because we realized that we could use that in actually managing the uh, utilities and energy and operations on our projects across the whole site. And that was led by the ownership for, again, identification and operation, and it saved us millions and millions of dollars in terms of the operations by um, having the ultimate efficiency across the, the site. And uh, when I came to the US, I hadn't seen as much adoption here, and I, I came here in uh, 2012. But in certain industries, oil and gas, in uh, semiconductor manufacturing, there was an adoption there, and again, it's to manage the risk. The biggest adoption that I have seen or the drivers for adoption has come from the contracting industry in the US. So the GCs were early adopters, primarily initially on the mechanical electrical, electrical and plumbing side of things so that we can manage class detection. And that then limited uh, rework in the field, which might not always be uh, reimbursed by the ownership. And so the contractors started to adopt this as a form of risk management and really led the way there. But we are seeing an increase in commercial developers using these technologies, again, to help mitigate risk. Some of the blockers to adoptions are the, the cost efforts and the, the, the changes that are needed to employ these tools. In some ways, it's also the shortage of skilled persons that can actually use these tools to the, the greatest effect. And so groups like RICS and other groups across the world are helping to lead and train you know, upcoming graduates into the use of those technologies so they become much more familiar. And we're definitely seeing that with some of our recent graduates or up to 10-year hires who are very confident within the digital environment. And so there's a much easier adoption there. So it's something that we are trying to encourage there. One of the main drivers that I've seen in the US as opposed to say somewhere like the UK or, or Europe or the Middle East, where we have very clear standards of measurement and how we apply those standards in you know, approach. So you get a standardization of data. That's really helped the adoption in those areas. In the US, there isn't necessarily those standard approaches. And so a contractor's approach to estimating may be quite different to a consultant cost estimator or any other professional within the US. So I think one of the main Blockers to adoption is actually that standardization, but we are seeing a drive from providers such as Autodesk and Procore to try and standardize nomenclature and so on, uh, so that that can be more easily employed. Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsor, the Construction Manager Certification Institute. Today's ANSI accredited certified construction manager brings professionalism to the project and provides leadership by unifying architects, general contractors, engineers, and facility managers to successfully complete the project. The CCM is familiar with the latest techniques and technologies of construction, from prefabrication to building information modeling. He or she thoroughly understands sustainable design and construction, how projects are financed, and how risks can be minimized and effectively shared. The certified construction manager is a communicator, a facilitator, a problem solver, a professional leader. Certified construction managers have the proven knowledge and experience to deliver all these values for every project. Make the CCM part of your strategy for success. For more information on the certified construction manager, please visit cmcertification.org. 
So let's talk a little bit about collaboration between project teams. Based on the report, it kind of highlights that we still don't have a lot of high data and information sharing levels between project teams. Why do you think this is the case? And also, do you have any recommendations? I mean, what can be done about that to improve collaboration and data sharing? So the collaboration data sharing really needs to come from the setup of a project that we have to have an intent to share information in an open environment. And that leads to different forms of procurement, um, whether it's integrated project delivery or some forms of that, which allows information sharing across the team. What we've seen is that the traditional structure of the delivery of projects from the design through to the contractor creates certain blockages in terms of liability for changes to design models. And then also that impacts, say, the commercial aspects of cost sharing as well. And so those elements need to be aligned in the way that, you know, advisors, representatives of CMAA and of RICS, uh, qualified firms, we need to be upfront to help align those teams and to remove some of those blockages, whether it's from a contractual basis or whether it's from an organizational base. And that's where the strength of the construction managers and the QSs and project managers comes into play. Mark, you had mentioned earlier ESG principles. So can you elaborate on that a little bit and tell us how these digital tools can help the construction industry achieve better social, environmental, and economic outcomes? Within our group at uh, Cumming, we have an environmental energy and sustainability group. And just as an example, we're working with uh, Metro here in LA to measure not only cost and budget, but also look at the impacts on the environment from their construction projects. And so we've helped develop a tool that can measure, you know, emissions, you know, what plant we use and so on. And that helps to kind of minimize the impact of construction on the environment. As we're maybe all aware is that uh, construction is one of the leading contributors to greenhouse gas uh, emissions. And so helping to track and maintain that shows uh, an element of responsibility to the local community when we're carrying out these construction projects. The adoption of BIM in itself and the information modeling that we have to basically create a a virtual twin of a project also allows us to measure inherent emissions that come from the use of concrete, for example, and, and other materials. And so we can test that within a model and look to attain the best form of sustainable construction with minimal uh, emissions. And so we're seeing that being adopted in certain locations, as I mentioned, Metro here in Los Angeles are are, are doing that. And they're one of the leaders in that. We're seeing that in New York with the Ports Authority as well. And so it just really helps us be responsible uh, community citizens in uh, the way that we manage our projects. So I've heard you mention LAX and the Metro out there and the Port Authority in New York. And we know that there's a big difference between horizontal and vertical construction. What I'm looking at is, and I've heard, you know, the Navy using digital twins and, you know, all those things are coming into play. We've got a lot of listeners and a lot of members at CMAA that are in the transportation industry who are actually working for the Department of Transportation and, you know, building bridges and roads. How can this help them? It's it's a similar thing. I mean, it's um, not just the digital twins themselves, but also how we survey and how we record progress uh, with these of, for example, drones and so on. So those, so those ancillary technologies all built around the model really help us to uh, minimize those impacts. And so, yes, we are seeing adoption in the infrastructure side of things as well. And also on large scale vertical uh, projects, 
um, some of the complex projects that we've seen come up over the past few years. And, and again, specifically in, in Los Angeles and in New York, you know, like you know, Hudson Yards and um, Metropolis projects um, over here in Los Angeles, we've used those technologies to kind of look at the impacts of the construction process. And can you talk specifically about your organization and how you're currently using data and technology to help achieve better business outcomes? We are uh, adopting a high integration of a variety of different technologies, whether it's through our proposals approach or whether it's through the use of estimating or design management tools. So it's something that we are creating and building upon our existing databases and so on to create better information so that when we're delivering our deliverables that we are basing our professional analysis on fact-based information. And so the use of that data helps us become much more predictable and ultimately helps our clients avoid major issues on their project. Mark, I know that Rix is seeking input from quantity surveyors and cost managers for an industry white paper aimed to understand how data and technology assists the design and delivery of construction and infrastructure projects with environmental, economic, and social outcomes. So how can our listeners partake in the development of that white paper? What we have at the moment is we have a survey that's based on our website on www.rics.org. And uh, we'd welcome uh, input from people across the U.S. and overseas to, to help us really refine where the needs are and how we can accelerate the adoption of these technologies in the industry. Okay. And I think the, that's supposed to be published later this year. So if any of you would like to be involved, make sure that you reach out sooner rather than later. And I also know that the the report on digitalization is available now free on the RICS website, rics.org, under the news and insights. Mark, thank you. And it's been a pleasure speaking with you and spending time with you today. So we appreciate all the insights that you've given us. And we look forward to having you back in the future to hear more on the data RICS is collecting and the changes you foresee coming to the construction industry. Coming up on episode 12... We will continue our discussion on technology and construction by inviting CMA's technology committee in Guard Hat to join us and talk about wearable technologies. Make sure you download or subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media at CMA underscore HQ. Don't forget to leave us a review with your thoughts on today's episode and let us know what you'd like to hear on an upcoming podcast. On behalf of CMA, I'm Nick Soto with Carly Trout. Thank you for listening. <laughs>